I want to ask you, how are we to live today? Are we to live just scared out of our minds? Are we to look for a demon under every rock and, and, and just close ourselves off with a phobia of being around people and things and other things? If we do, Satan is one. He's one. But the Bible is very clear, greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. And so we must keep in mind, we are on the winning side. You said, well, and I heard people, uh, what we, we don't need more prayer. Prayer didn't stop what happened in Texas. No, it did not stop it. Because we live in an evil world. Why does bad things happen to good people? Because there are none good. Number one, we're all depraved individuals. Just some of us have been born again. But we're still in the flesh and the world is decaying. And there's sin in the world. And that's why babies are abused and people starve to death because of the sinful, degenerate society we call earth. So how are we to live today? Danger, evil lurking around every corner? Do we play dumb? Do we embrace it? Many, even in the church, has reached out and said, you know what, you can't beat them, join them. And so we have openly embraced the things of the world. Second Peter, the Apostle Peter, he had a life of experience, didn't he? He had been on both sides. He had been the militant, draw his sword out and cut the guy's ear off. He must have not been very good with a sword. You know, how you miss a whole head and get a ear? Uh, but then he denied. But then became the first preacher of the church age, standing on the Mount of Olives, declaring the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he starts chapter 3, this second letter that he wrote. He said, this second epistle, beloved... Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. He said, I stir up your minds by way of remembrance. That word stir up in the Greek literally means to take kind of a, a, a fire poker and to kindle the embers. You know, I love to kick a fire. I love to kick it and see it and, and get it going. I love to poke the fire and stir the fire. I mean, I just, I love that stuff. Well, that's the idea Peter's saying. He was stirring up. He was poking us to remember. And so this morning, let us take time to remember. 26 in Texas, 8 in South Carolina, 58 in Las Vegas, 21 at the hands of ISIS on the shores of the sea, and every day Christians dying for the cause of Christ and other places around the world. It has been happening for centuries, and it will continue. So what do we do in the face of danger? What do we do in the face of such evil? What do we do in the face of the lies that we hear 
propagated every day. Peter said, stir up. He said, I'm stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance. This morning, I want us to preach just a moment and to hear, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember that moment when you bowed your head, bent your knee, and maybe in tears, maybe in just complete brokenness and the lack of even understanding your emotion, but understanding your sinfulness, you cried out, Lord, save me. Do you remember that? Do you remember what it felt like to be on your way to hell? Do you remember? That's not rhetorical. Do you remember? I mean, how the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst thing because it's real. And our spirit knew it, and the Holy Spirit said, without Christ, you have no hope. Peter's saying, you need to remember. You need to be, and that word, it means to be mindful. He said it. Later on, he said, listen, that you may be mindful of the word. What does that mindful mean? It means to be reflective on the past, to be diligent about the present, and to be understanding about what God wants for us today and tomorrow, to be mindful of the steps we have taken and the steps we're yet to take. Do you understand that in the world we're living in today, with all the things going on around us, you're in it, right? Pinch yourself if you're not real sure. And realize, if you're here, I didn't say pinch somebody else. If you're here today, you're breathing, then God's got a plan for you in this world. He's got a plan for you. So I, I, I was born in the wrong time. I should have grew up this time. I should have been at this. Listen, God doesn't make mistakes. And you are where you are today. And if you will allow, God can do great things in your life. You don't have to be, you know, the president. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be the rich business person. You just need to be willing. And so, first of all, we need to remember, to be mindful of, he said, what the prophets had to say. Look, look with me again what he said to us in verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. You see, we need to be mindful of what the prophets said in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. What was the prevailing word from the prophets? From the very beginning all the way up to John the Baptist, what was the singular message that they spoke? The Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. Emmanuel, God with us. We will sing that. We will quote it as Christmas comes to us. We'll quote Isaiah 9-6. We'll quote Isaiah 7-14. We'll quote a lot of those old scriptures. Listen, we need to be mindful that the Old Testament is the big hand of God saying, here comes the Savior. Do you remember what Anna and Simeon said when Jesus was born? So we've been looking for this our whole life. 
Simeon said, I can now die. Happy man. The Messiah is here. God with us. We need to study God's word. He tells us it is inspired. All those prophets God spoke through that we may hear of a coming Messiah. But we look back at the Old Testament. Now he said not only were we to be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, he said, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. He told us that we are to be followers to the doctrine of the apostles, which was what? Well, what did the apostles say? They said, Jesus has come. Jesus purchased salvation, and Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. When we're overcome by grief, when we are flabbergasted by the absolute worst evil imaginable, as believers, our hope. And he tells us at the end of 1 Thessalonians 4, Comfort one another with these words. What is that word? Jesus is coming again. Church, this is not all there is. We're not just living to retire and then die. We're living knowing we shall never die as children of the Most High God. How did he start this text? Beloved. He's speaking to believers. We need to understand what the apostles said. How were they able to go and almost all of them give their life martyred for the cause of Christ? Because they knew this was not all there was. It's not all there is. Man, are you, are you frustrated? I get it. Are you stressed beyond me? I get it. And listen, there was times where Paul had to get on Peter and, and, and get on Barnabas and, and, and back and forth. They were having to, to hold each other accountable and to exhort and admonish one another and rebuke one another. Because, listen, man is man and we're all going to fail. But the good news is that we can cry to one another, Maranatha, encourage one another, Jesus is coming again. Do you understand the Gospels? It's not just a group of writings, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the gospel. The first verse of Mark says the beginning of the gospel. What does that mean? The good news. The good news. I like good news. Y'all like good news? It has been said that the greatest two words in the English language for good news is check and close. Huh? We like that, you know? Hey, wow, I didn't check. Check and closed. We like good news. You know, uh, I, I turned 50 a few years ago, and I thought 50, well, you know, it's another day, but, you know, I'm like, 50? Good grief. It's ancient, you know? Now, you remember when you thought it was going to be like that. 
But here's the great, listen, I turned 50, I'm like, oh, I'm 50 and, you know, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, I go and look in the mail, and it says checking closed. And you know what? The one time, the one time insurance has ever just did something in reverse, they said, hey, you turn 50, you get a discount. I said, if I'd have known that, I'd turn 50 10 years ago. They sent me a check because I turned 50. Man, that was great news. I love to hear good news. Somebody said, man, we had a great service and this person was saved. And you know that person we've been praying for, God's healed them. And what about this? And what about, listen, all this good news. We love good news. Well, the greatest news there is, is the good news of Jesus Christ. Do we remember that? When we try to encourage one another, do we pat each other on the back and say, it's going to be okay? Can I be real frank and honest with you? In this world, it is not going to be okay. Have you ever heard or had someone tell you, uh, don't worry, it'll get better. It's got to get better. It don't. I, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. But it does not have to get better this side of glory. But our hope is found in knowing this is not all there is. You say, well, that don't sound, that's just because we can't see what God's got fully. We can read about it, and we ought to read about it. The church, listen to me. These men were both filled, the Old Testament, New Testament alike, filled and directed by the Holy Spirit of God to say, there's a Savior coming, He has come, He has paid the price, and He's coming Again, let us be mindful, reflective, diligent, and understanding who Jesus is and the good news. But then he goes on in verse 3, as we remember, knowing this, this sounds like it could have been written this week, knowing this, there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where's, where's this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now notice the language. He's not talking about the, the reprobate who has nothing to do with religion. They're using religious language. This was coming from inside the body of Christ, coming out of the church. He said, there are scoffers, those who say, oh, where's the promise? When's he coming? Since our fathers fell asleep since the Old Testament. Things just continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You know what? I imagine on about the 118th, 119th year of the building of the ark, they felt the same way. But there was one day. There was one day when the sun rose. It wasn't as bright. There were these things called clouds. And they probably stood around and said, hmm, wonder what that is. And walked by and said, Noah. And by this time, they'd got tired of making fun of him. They're like, that crazy old man. Sometime during that day, a raindrop hit someone. And they're like, what? What is that? What? Where did that come from? Not even close to a water pitcher. Where? And the rains came. And 40 days and 40 nights. 
it rained. And the earth has never been the same. Am I right? What about the Tower of Babel? You reckon they said, you know what? It's always been the same. We'll just build on. Reckon what they said. The day before Bethlehem. Oh, it's just the same. The church is not the same. And so he said, In verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The Old Testament tells us we have a rainbow to remember God will not destroy it with water again. We have the precious Lamb of God. If you'll read the front of that table right there, we remember when we come to His table as believers that He paid the price to set us free. Every drop of blood fell to the ground. His body pierced for our transgressions. And by His stripes, we are healed. You see, not only must we be mindfully aware, but we have become willfully ignorant. Have you ever watched these shows on TV when they go out, some of the night shows and others, and they'll stick a microphone in somebody's face and ask them a question? College students. They'll go to college students and they'll say, I saw this one the other day. It said, what country did the United States of America declare their independence from? These were all college students. None of them had the right answer. None. Ask them, when was the Civil War? Most of them will say 1940. 1922. They have no inkling. Listen, the average Christian cannot share their faith because they don't know enough gospel. And we wonder, why, why do we need Wednesday night? I don't know about you. I've been saved since 1972, been preaching since January 1st, 1984, and I need it. I need those prayer partners. I need the fellowship of believers. I need to put my nose in this word and study because it is the power unto salvation. I have never, can I make a very clear, broad statement today? I have never saved anybody. Now, I did a Heimlich on a kid one time that swallowed a peppermint in church and he was choking. And I was a lifeguard and I pulled, I pulled, I know of three out of the pool that would have drowned. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I have never saved someone unto eternal life. But I know the one who has. And just like the prophets pointing forward, and just like the apostles pointing around, we point back and say, see that cross? Jesus died for you. Are we willfully ignorant of sin and its effect? He said, Verse 3, knowing this first, there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust. We have become willfully ignorant of sin and its effect. Remember now, part of our, our, the very foundation of our Christian worldview is 
God created it, right? And when God created the heavens and the earth, and after six days he sat down, what was the first thing out of his mouth? He said, he looked on his creation and said, it is very good. And the world was created perfect. Man created in God's image perfect. That's my trick question I've used on people. How many perfect people has ever walked the face of the earth? People often say, just one. No, there's been three. Three? Well, oh, God the Father, God's... Oh, no, 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 no. No, one God. But when God created Adam and Eve, they were created perfect. But through deception and disobedience, they rejected perfection. And because of that sin, man is fallen. There is creation and the fall. Sin and effect. It is the whole physics of the law of sin and death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, be mindful. May we not be willingly ignorant that repetitious, unforgiven sin is destroying us. 1 Corinthians 11, I was talking about this table. When Paul talks about the Lord's table, he said many have taken it, taken it unworthily. Now, he's not talking about lost people doing it, even though lost people shouldn't because they don't understand it at all. But he's talking about Christians in an unrepentant manner have taken it. And he said, and because of that, there are many sick and even many who have died because of it. Read it. It's in 1 Corinthians 11. Church, we become willfully ignorant to the effects of sin. We're a fallen generation. Does it really surprise us of the things going on in this world? If you ever took a history class and hated it, now you're living what was told to you. Those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it just like the whole thing about guns you know we'd be safer if we got rid of guns let let me also remind you the shooter at the church at texas bought his guns illegally it's not guns it's the criminals and if you'll look at every every society who has become a dictatorship and has ruled over their people and destroyed their people, the first thing they do is try to disarm them. I got news for you. They ain't getting my guns. They're not getting my guns. Because he told me to be wise as a serpent, and I just believe a serpent ought to have a gun. Two or three if you can afford it. But here's, Listen. We are to remember we're living in a dastardly evil world. It's an evil. The only difference today is the, the news cycle happens so fast and is so broad uh, in such a broad spectrum, we see and hear more, but it's always been there. It really has. Study the French, French Revolution off with their head. I mean, they kill people. Wholesale. Well, you know about the Holocaust, but do you know, we know of the German Stalags, but did you know about the Russian Gulags? 
Have you ever heard of the rape of Nanking prior to World War II of what the Japanese did in Manchuria? Unbelievable horrors that happened in that place. If you study anything about the barbarians, when they swept through the Roman Empire, those, those Vikings and Goths and Visigoths and the Huns, as they just went across, when you read about people like Genghis Khan and others who saw no value in human life, then you realize we're still living it today. So what's all that got to do with it? Peter said, be mindful. Be mindful. Now, I love to hunt, but part of the reason I have guns is to protect my family. And make no mistake about it, I don't have any problem with that notion. And we all need, and we're going to be teaching, and we're going to have some safety and security classes coming up through the winter to help you understand how to help you better prepare. Ladies, the holidays are coming. Do not leave your pocketbooks on the front seat of your car. When you walk out in a parking lot, look around you. Don't just forget you're, you're not the only person in this world. Be vigilant, walking, watching, looking. Park where you can see. Do those things which are smart. And in the same way of watching over your children, watching over your wives, watching over yourself, we need to walk with our eyes wide open spiritually. Because he said there are many scoffers in this world already. You know, a lot of people who are leading, not just in cults, but leading cults, used to be in orthodox Christianity. They were mainstream Christians, or at least professed that, but they got caught up in a lie. You see... We've become willfully ignorant of the Savior and His effects and His efforts. It's the Messiah and His efforts. He said in verse 4, where is the promise of His coming? It's coming. We just can't know the timing of God. Right? I, I despise daylight saving time. Number one, because it's not savings. It's saving. And it's not saving anything. I don't want to get up an hour earlier than the time I don't want to get up already. Y'all get that? I despise it getting dark at before 6 o'clock. I can't stand it. And, and look, I'm just bound to determine some of my clocks just going to stay at the same time and it'll be right next year. I mean, even a broke clock's right twice a year, right? Or twice a day. Times change. One thing that remains the same is Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And the fact that our daylight saving time, whether we're falling back, springing forward, and I'm trying to, and every year, I'm 53 years old, every year that thing baffles me. I'm so simple-minded. I'm like, fall, fall, you know, fall back, sit to a now, does that mean time, but I sit it, it messes me every time. And then to try to go in and, you ever, I, I don't even know why I'm bringing this up, you ever tried to set your clock on your car? I mean, it's like, they're on, on star, can you fix my clock on my car? I don't have any kids at home anymore. You know, it's like the VCR, just let it blink. 
you know. Microwave, why do I need a clock on the microwave? I just need it to warm my coffee. You know, but all that means nothing. All the watches, uh, you know, you can have a Philippe, you can have a Rolex, you can have the, a Timex, you can have whatever. Time is not going to stop Jesus when God looks over and says, go get your bride. And it's not going to matter what you didn't get done. It's not going, and not in the sense of stopping him. It's going to matter when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Or if you're lost and you keep thinking you're going to put it off. And when I get older, when the kids get a little bigger, and when I get this next job, and when we get a little more money, then I'm going to get right with God. The rich fool said something kind of like that, and God called him a fool. Listen, the Savior in his efforts, we've become willfully ignorant. And the sovereignty of God and judgment. He said they willingly are ignorant of it. That by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water, and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store. I saw a beautiful rainbow Thursday afternoon. Did y'all see it? Man, it was double at one point, but then it was, I mean, it was brilliantly bright. I was like, I, I never get tired of that. I'm not going to let the world hijack the beautiful rainbow of God's promise. Amen? That belongs to us as Christians. It belongs to us. God gave us that. We're not, going, we're not going to let the world take it and use it for their ideology. We need to understand the sovereignty of God in judgment. We cannot be willingly ignorant because as we are studying on Wednesday night right now, the judgments of God, that God judged sin at Calvary through His Son. Now as believers, God is judging sin in our life as sons. He said, those that I love, I chastise. And then at the judgment seat of Christ for believers, He will judge His servants based on their works. But then there's a, a judgment on Israel during the tribulation. There's the drudge, judgment of nations during the millennial reign. And then the white throne judgment of all lost. God is not ignorant. You say, how, 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 how does this stuff happen? How does this stuff happen? And, you know, lost people do whatever they want, act however they want. But God's word says, fret not because of evildoers. I have not missed a single point. I know it all. Right? I know this is heavy. Church, we need to remember. We need to remember. We, we get so flustered by the things of the world. Listen, it absolutely breaks my heart that when we were leaving church last Sunday, that boy was loading his guns. They're on central time, and it happened at 11.30, 12.30 our time. And for most of us, last Sunday, we were sitting down to eat lunch. When he walked in, and they were recording their service. And one of the things, 15 magazines, 30-round magazines. Oh, we need to ban all those. That's what I deer hunted with this week. I didn't go in and shoot up a church. It's in the mind of man. He walked in and looking down the aisles with children, 
senior adults, he said, everybody dies. Was his exact terms. I want you to understand something. The atheist professor wants spiritual death for your kids. The music genres of this world, many of them, and the movie types and the Hollywood elites want your children to sift them as wheat. They want your marriage. You hear what I'm telling you? We need to wake up. We need to stop selling our families out for all this stuff of the world. Listen, the sovereignty of God and judgment is His righteousness, His judgment. Do not be fooled. Timothy was told by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. They have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Church, we need to stop being willfully ignorant, but remember who Jesus is. And then finally in verse 8 and 9, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, the scope of time means nothing to God. But understand this, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, we must be mindfully aware of what God's Word says. We must stop becoming willfully ignorant to the power and the authority of God. And we must be willing to see our need for the Savior. God said, it's not my will that any perish. Jesus came to this world because God so loved us. Not because he loved the trees, not because he loved the puppy dogs, not because he loved the rhinos, Because he loves you and me. Jesus died for our sin. He died for our sin. And we must be willfully mindful to see our need. Not for a Savior. There's a lot of people realize that there's an emptiness in their life. And they're filling it up with Scientology. They're filling it up with drugs and alcohol. They're filling it up with pornography. They're, they're filling it up with making money and being important and playing ball. And all the th- trappings the world has. But I'm telling you something. It's a God-sized hole that only God can fill. It's the only way. Every time something happens like last week, Christians come to me and they say, how do lost people do this? It's because they push it out of their mind. And they, they're fatalists. They believe this basically is all there is, so live it up. But aren't you glad through the last couple of weeks that we know our Redeemer lives? We know He lives. To set men free. Listen, we accept the provision of salvation. Jesus died for me. And in that we enjoy the promise of our returning Savior. Are we mindful? 
Are we mindfully ignorant? Are we awake, reflective? Are we diligent with our head? As I said, I love to deer hunt. Sometimes get up early and boy, it's cold, man, it's cold. You get all bundled up and climb up a tree and just right about the time the sun's starting to break the horizon is the coldest point of the morning. And boy, you're just bracing and you're trying to get through it and, and you're looking around and you know, those 350-pound squirrels make you jerk and look every time, you know. And the way the sun changes, the reflection on the limbs, there's 12-pointers walking around every tree, and then the sun rises a little bit more, and you say, oh, that's just limbs. And Maybe after a little while the sun starts beating on you, and, man, you bask in that warmth all of a sudden, and before long your eyes get a little heavy. You know, and you're trying to fight it because just as soon as you fall asleep, you know that all the elves are going to whisper and say, He's asleep! He's asleep! Run to the acorns! And the deer are going to take out. And you wake back up and they're all gone. First eight-pointer I ever killed woke me up. He did. He should have walked quieter. Problem is, there's so many benefits and blessings walking around us today. And we're just sitting asleep. Jesus told Peter, James, and John, now's not the time to sleep. He said, for the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Stay awake and pray. Pray, but they kept falling asleep. He said, now's time's past. Going and going and sleep. Church, it's time to wake up and remember this world is what it is, but Jesus died to set us free. You've got lost family members. Do you just go through the routine and you've become asleep in the fact they need your Savior? Your neighbor, this community needs Jesus. I heard one of the greatest gospel presentations Monday from a fellow pastor there in Texas. When they interviewed him, Shepard Smith on Fox was the one interviewing him over the TV. and uh, He asked him a few questions, and he answered the questions. How are you going to deal with this, all this? And finally, the pastor, very humble pastor, he said, Well, Shepard, I, I want to tell you and all your, all your viewers, he said, our God knows exactly how we feel because he watched his own son die for our sins. And I just want to urge all of you to trust that Jesus. He presented the gospel. I mean, listen, when it went back to Shepherd at Fox News, he was like, uh, 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 I mean, he, was brave. he wasn't embarrassed. He was, he was very reflective. And he was like, uh, uh, th thank you, Pastor. Church, what the world needs is Jesus. As they come to the instruments.
knowing that in these last days there'll be scoffers, knowing that people are willfully ignorant, knowing, Peter says, be mindful, be reflective, know today your Redeemer lives. And knowing so that you can tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, Jesus died for you. You want to change ISIS? You want to change North Korea? Bomb them with Jesus. You think I'm kidding? How do you think the Roman Empire changed from Nero to Constantine? To go from killing Christians wholesale to the Nicene Creed and land and all the things that the church was blessed with because God saved Constantine. How did Constantine find out? Because Christians being persecuted were faithful to keep saying, whether I live or whether I die, I live or die unto Jesus. Whether I win, whether I lose, God gets the glory. Whether I'm having a really good day or a really, really, really terrible day, Jesus is on the throne. Today you need to come and understand it's not God's will that you perish. It's that you receive the eternal life that only He can give. You're defeated, depressed, despondent, beat down, and you realize you need the sovereignty of God to come in and push out the doubt, to push out the depression, and to give you victory once again in your life. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Right now, stand and call. Confess it right now. Come to Jesus.